Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and I just want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. And in this episode sermon, we're going to be wrapping up a series of sermons that we've been working our way through over the last few weeks, where we've been talking about how we can have healthier relationships at home. And we all know how important that's been over the last several weeks as we've been spending more and more time inside of our homes to try to stop the spread of the coronavirus. But now things are starting to get back to some semblance of normal. Businesses and industries all across our country are starting to open back up. And that means that for many of us, for the first time in weeks, we're going to be able to go back to work. And when we're spending more time at work, that means that we're going to be spending less time at home. But just because we're spending less time at home, that doesn't mean that those relationships at home aren't the most important aspect, the most important things in our lives. So today... We're going to be reminded in this episode's sermon about how important those relationships really are. So let's get started with this episode's sermon. So over the last couple of weeks, we've spent our time together talking about how we can have healthier relationships at home. And that's been really important recently because we've all been spending a lot more time at home to try to slow the spread of the coronavirus. But we also know that that's about to change. A couple of weeks ago, the governor of Kentucky, Andy Bashir, announced that starting tomorrow, May the 11th, we'll enter into a four-week period of time where we'll be gradually easing back on some of our social distancing restrictions and slowly starting to bring some of our businesses and industries back online. And even though the next four weeks is really just a trial run to make sure that businesses are able to comply with all of the guidelines and requirements and restrictions put on them to avoid a resurgence of the coronavirus, this does mean that we're taking a giant step toward reopening our economy and returning to life as normal, or at least life in our new normal. But that's not all that this means. By allowing some businesses to start to reopen, that means that many of us are going to have the chance to go back to work for the first time in weeks. And when we go back to work, that means that we're going to be spending less and less time at home. And when we spend less time at home, that means that we're all going to start getting really busy again. So as we stand on the verge of returning to some semblance of normal, I want us to spend our time together today thinking about how we lived our lives before we found ourselves in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. And I really want you to think about if that's the life that you want to return to. So I want you to think about how you spent a typical day in your life prior to the coronavirus. Just a typical day, nothing out of the ordinary. I want you to think about when you went to sleep and when you woke up. I want you to think about how long it took for you to make breakfast and lunch and dinner. I want you to think about the time that you spent driving to work or a doctor's appointment or going to the grocery store. I want you to think about the hours that you actually spent at work. Think about the meetings you had to sit through, the customers you had to deal with, the break room conversations you got drawn into, or the time you had to spend waiting for the IT guy to fix your computer. I want you to think about how much time you spent watching TV or reading a book or scrolling through your Facebook and Instagram feeds. I want you to think about the time that you spent on your personal hygiene. And think about the time that you spent playing with your kids or caring for an aging loved one. Think about the time that you spent walking your dog or mowing your lawn or loading the dishwashers. Now the truth is, I have no idea how much time you spent doing any of those things. The best that I can do is pull some information from the Bureau of Labor Statistics and see how the average American spent their time each week before the coronavirus. But before we take a look at that information, I just want to remind you that every week has 168 hours in it. 
and everything that we do costs us some of that time. So, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average person spends about 70 hours a week on personal care. Now, that includes sleeping, showering, shaving, brushing your teeth, combing your hair. But just like that, your week's already down to 98 hours. And we can take away another 25 hours for the time that the typical person spends at work each week, and another 35 for the time that we spend watching TV or reading a book, scrolling through our Facebook feeds, or engaging in some other kind of leisure activity. And that leaves us with 38 hours in our week. Now out of those 38 hours, we spend 8 hours each week eating and drinking, and 12 more hours working around the house. You can take away another five hours for the time that we spend shopping and five more hours for the time that we spend caring for our loved ones. And now we're down to eight hours in our week, but there's still more to get done. So we spend about two hours each week in church services or in some kind of civic engagement and three hours working on educational pursuits. And then we spend another two hours answering phone calls and checking the mail, both the electronic and the snail variety. And that leaves us with about one hour. One hour each week to do whatever we want with. Now, just in case you're more of a visual learner like I am, I've put together a clock to show us how we spend a typical 12-hour stretch in our day. Now, on this clock, the red represents how much time we spend on personal care. The green's going to show how much time we spend at work. And the gold color shows how much time we spend on leisure activities. And just by looking at those three colors, you can see that about three-fourths of your time is gone. The next few colors, they're going to show us how much time we spend eating and doing chores, shopping and caring for loved ones, respectively. And those things are followed by the time that we spend at civic events or learning new things or catching up on our messages. And when all of that is done, you have this one little sliver of white that shows how much free time you actually have. It breaks down to just a few minutes out of every 12 hours. So the question is, is this the best way for us to spend our time? Is this the best way for you to spend your time? Well, to help you think about that question, I have another question I want to ask you. And here it is. If you only had one more day left, how would you spend it? If you only had one more day left, how would you spend it? Would you hit the snooze button a second or a third time? Would you spend the time that it takes to scramble a few eggs for breakfast, or would you settle for a bowl of cereal instead? Would you rush off to work in hopes that you can beat the traffic? Would you bother going to work at all? Would you spend more than the 1.2 hours a day that we average taking care of the ones that we love the most? Would you spend less time in front of the TV or looking at cat memes on Facebook? If you had one day left, how would you spend it? Now, the truth is, most of us will never know because we'll never know when that last day comes. But in a classic episode of one of the longest-running TV shows in history, this is the exact question that the main character faces. Now, since it comes from a sitcom, this character finds himself in this situation because he ate some sushi that was likely poisonous. And the doctor tells him that if it was, in fact, poison, that he'll have just 24 hours left to live. So how does he spend that one last day? Well, he sits down with his son and he passes on years worth of fatherly advice. Then he spends some time with his oldest daughter, watching her do what she loves to do more than anything else in the world. And he makes a video so that his baby girl can remember her dad. He reconciles with his own father. Then he spends some quality time with his wife. 
And once everyone else has drifted off to sleep that night, he sneaks downstairs and listens to the Bible on cassette tapes. I did mention that this was an episode of one of the longest-running TV shows in history, right? So this episode aired before there were things like CDs or MP3s. And even though it turns out that his sushi wasn't poisoned, he spends his last day with the people that he loves and his final hours with his God. And if you or I found ourselves in a similar situation, we'd probably want to do the exact same thing. The truth is that the last few weeks of social distancing have shown us how important our closest relationships are to us, and we all know that we should devote more time to them. But what does that say about all the other things that we do during a typical day? If all of us value time with our family and our loved ones and our God more than anything else that we do, does that mean that everything else that we do just isn't important? Are we just wasting hours of our lives at work? Should we give up on cooking and cleaning up our homes? Should we shut down our Facebook accounts and cancel our Netflix and Disney Plus subscriptions? Well, believe it or not, these are the kind of questions that underlie our scripture reading for this morning. The issue of what really matters, what's really important. Now we're going to be taking a look at a story that takes place in Luke chapter 10. And the book of Luke is essentially a biography of Jesus. And in Luke 10, Jesus tells a busy woman what's really important. So let's see what Jesus says to her. We'll start reading in verse 38. Here's what it says. While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. Okay, I want to pause right here and I want to paint you a little bit better picture of what's happening in the story. Jesus and his disciples are on the way to Jerusalem. But when they were on their way to Jerusalem, they couldn't just stop by a Hertz and rent a 15-passenger van, and they couldn't swing by a Circle K to load up on snacks. They're headed to Jerusalem, and they've been walking all day long to get there. The only thing that they've had to eat is the food that they could glean or pick from the fields that they passed along the way. So here you have a group of 13 guys that are hot, that are sweaty, that are tired, and they're hungry. So instead of walking straight on to Jerusalem, this group decides that they're going to stop in a village that was just a couple of miles away. And while they were there, a woman named Martha welcomes this group into, their, into her home as her, as her guests. Now, when I hear this, there's only one thought that runs through my mind. What was she thinking? What was she thinking? There are 13 hungry guys standing at her doorstep. They didn't call ahead. They didn't send her a text message. They just showed up, and Martha lets them in. If I had 13 hungry guys show at my door unannounced and uninvited, that's not what I would have done. I would have closed all the curtains, I would have turned off all the lights, and I would have pretended like I wasn't at home. But that's not what Martha does. Martha invites them in. And when she invites them in, you know that her life just became incredibly, unbelievably busy. She had 13 guests to feed, and they just popped by. So you can just imagine her running around her house and quickly picking up all the clutter and tossing it into an empty closet. And all the while, she's got pots of green bean and beans and cans of corn cooking on the stovetop. She's got a turkey roasting in the oven and pies that are cooling on the windowsill and some handmade rolls that are just waiting to be baked. So there's the whole picture of what's happening in this story. Now let's get back to the actual story and see what happens next. 
Once again, Luke writes, While Jesus and his disciples were traveling, Jesus entered a village where a woman named Martha welcomed him as a guest. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his message. By contrast, Martha was preoccupied with getting everything ready for their meal. So Martha came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to prepare the table all by myself? Tell her to help me. Now remember everything that I just told you. Martha has had 13 uninvited guests stop by her house, and she's taken care of everything for them. And all she wants, all she wants is for her sister to help her set the table. But instead, her sister plops down on the floor with all the guys, and she joins in on their conversation. Now, how are you going to feel if you're Martha? You've done all of this work to get ready for this big dinner party that you didn't even know you were going to be hosting. And all that you ask your sister to do is to help set the table, and she won't do it. Now, chances are you are going to be ready to blow your top, but not Martha. Martha is such a good hostess that she goes to Jesus and she quietly asks him to send her sister to help. And this is where Jesus talks with us about what's important. He tells this extremely busy woman what's important in Luke 10 verse 41. Here's what he says. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part, and it won't be taken away from her. Can you believe it? Jesus doesn't take Martha's side, and he actually corrects her. Jesus corrects Martha, the one who has spent all day cooking his supper, and he tells her that her priorities are out of whack. He says, Martha, Martha, you were worried and distracted by many things. One thing is necessary. But I'm sure that Martha didn't feel like she was distracted. She knew exactly what she was doing. And what she was doing was important. She had 13 guests sitting in her living room. 13 guests who had been traveling all day long. 13 guests who were hot. 13 guests who were tired. 13 guests who were hungry. And they weren't going to take care of themselves. So how could Jesus say that Martha was worried and distracted by many things? How could he say that there was only one thing that is necessary? Because Martha was clearly doing the most important thing she could be doing. But Jesus never said that what Martha was doing wasn't important. Jesus said that there was only one thing that was necessary. There was only one thing that was imperative. And there's a big difference between those two words, important and imperative. When we say that something is important, we're saying that it, is, it has great significance or influence. But when we say that something is imperative, we're saying that that something is absolutely necessary. What Martha had done was confuse what was important. And in this story, it was feeding her guests with what was imperative, which was doing what she was created to do. And that's connect with other people. Remember, we talked about this just a couple of weeks ago. We are created to be connected. And Martha, Martha was missing out on that. And let's just admit it. Let's just admit it. These are easy things for us to get confused about because there are a lot of things in our lives that are important. It's important for us to go to work. It's important for us to do something meaningful and productive with our time. And it's important for us to take home an honest day's pay 
for an honest day's work. It's important for us to spend some time tidying up around our house to keep ourselves and our loved ones healthy. And it's important for us to spend some time exercising. And it's important for us to spend some time eating. It's important for us to spend a little bit of time unwinding at the end of the day. And it's important for us to take a long, hot shower every once in a while just to take care of ourselves. But none of those things are imperative. So what's imperative? Well, in the story that takes place right before this one in the Gospel of Luke, we're reminded of what's imperative. In Luke 10, verse 27, here's what we're told. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So what Jesus is telling Martha is essentially this. Don't let what's important keep you from what's imperative. Don't let what's important keep you from what's imperative. It's important to provide for your guests, but it's imperative to love them. It's important to tidy up around your house, but it's imperative to invite people over to visit. It's important to mow your grass, but it's imperative to play with your kids in your backyard. It's important to make to make it to work on time, but it's imperative to act like a decent human being during your commute. And it's important to unwind after a long, busy day, but it's imperative that you talk with your spouse about their day. And it's important to go out and enjoy a nice meal once restaurants open back up. But it's imperative to share conversation around the table together. And it's important to mark items off of your to-do list, but it's imperative that you don't treat people like they're just another item on that list. Life is filled with things that are important, but loving God and loving each other, that's what's imperative. And that's easy for us to forget. Truth is, I catch myself confusing these two things all the time. Just a couple of days ago, I was sitting in my office at home, uploading one of our weekly videos onto Facebook. And that's important. Right now, a lot of my ministry is happening on Facebook. So if I don't take the time to upload these videos, then I'm not doing my job. But while I was sitting there watching that progress bar slowly creep toward 100%, I hear my daughter calling out to me from her playroom. Now, she was sitting in her playroom building a Lego set that she had picked out for her birthday a few weeks back. And she was getting a little frustrated because the set, well, it just wouldn't stay together like it's supposed to. And at first, at first I tried to put her on the back burner. I knew that it was only going to take a couple of minutes for that upload bar to creep all the way to 100%, and then the video would be uploaded, and I could then go and help her out. But she called out again, and I could hear the frustration building up in her voice. And at that moment, I realized that although my work is important, what my daughter needed, it was imperative. And if I'm not there for her when she asks for my help now, then she's going to stop asking for my help later when the problems that she's facing are way bigger than just building a Lego set and getting it to stay together. So with phase one of our economy beginning to reopen tomorrow, it's not going to be long before there are times when your life gets overwhelming and there will be times that you wish that you had an extra hour in your day. But don't let your busyness keep you from what really matters. Make time for what's imperative. That's what I want to challenge you to do this week, as life slowly starts returning to some semblance of normal. I want to challenge you to focus on what's imperative, and that's your relationships at home. 
And here's how you can do that. I want you to think about this clock that I showed you earlier whenever you walk by a clock this week. And I want you to realize whenever you walk past a clock that you only have so much time in your day and you only have so much time in your life. And then I want you to think, if what you're spending your time on is really the best use of the time that you have, or if what you're doing can wait a little bit longer. Because if nothing else, the last few weeks have reminded us all of what is imperative in our lives. So spend your time connecting with your spouse, with your kids, with your family, and with your friends. Use your time to build healthier relationships at home. Because in the end, those are the things that matter the most. Those are the things that are truly imperative. And so much else that you fill your time with is just important. So make sure you don't lose sight of the imperative while you're busy doing what's important. Take time to love and care for the ones that matter the most. Your spouses, your partners, your kids, your family, your friends. Spend the time. Spend the time that you need to building your relationships at home. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the chance that we've had to come together to worship you today and to be reminded of what really matters in life. God, there's so many things that just buy for our time, week in and week out. There's so many things that seem like they are imperative, God, but they're really just important. God, help us to recognize the difference between those two. Remind us that what really matters are our relationships, that you created us to be connected, to be known and to know one another. So God, let us spend our time building those relationships and not simply lose out and waste our time doing things that are just important. God, as life starts getting back to some semblance of normal this week, help us keep our eyes on the most important things. Help us keep our eyes on our true priorities. Don't let our busyness get in the way of our relationships. Help us to love one another. Help us to love you. And help us to continue to build healthier relationships at home. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that today's episode has reminded you of what is really imperative in your life. And those are your relationships with God and with each other. Because here's the truth. Over the next few days and weeks and months, as our economy starts opening back up, you're going to have a lot of important things that start biting for your time and your attention. But don't let those important things keep you from the imperative relationships that you have. Now, in our next episode, we're going to be starting into a brand new series of sermons where we're going to be talking about one of those words that you only hear used around the church. But this word that we're going to be talking about, well, it's essential to understanding our faith, to understanding why we come and why we worship week after week inside of our churches. And it's important to understanding why we have a relationship with God in the first place. So let me encourage you to tune back in next Sunday as we drop another episode of our sermon podcast. And as always, if you subscribe to our podcast and your favorite podcasting app, it'll be sent straight there whenever a new episode drops. So until then, I hope that you guys take care of yourself this week. Have a great week, and we will see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.